in the back of my mind, I was like actually really upset that the women didn't race as long from like an equality perspective, but also like to me, gravel differs from road in the length and like intensity and like that attrition, like every gravel race I've done, the attrition component is huge. 80 miles felt, it made it feel very much like a road race, which in some ways I certainly was glad it was over when it was over. So like I got to the end and I was like, "Mm, I don't want to go prove a point and do those two (laughs) extra circuit laps. But if that had been in the race, if I had had my mindset on it and I talked to a lot of women who felt the same way, they were like, if that had been our race, our brains would have adjusted to that and we would have done it. It's showtime, everybody! Showtime! You've been living in a dream world, Neo. This is the world as it exists today. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Listen, we're talking about practice. They peed on the dude's rug. Donnie, you're out of your element. I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. Don't ever trash talk black Jesus. This is the Adventure Stash with Pace and McAlvin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show and welcome back to another conversation with podcast friend Sarah Sturm. A shorter one by our standards today. Usually our conversations ramble on for multiple hours, but both she and I are pulling pretty crazy schedules right now in the lead up to the final round of the Lifetime Grand Prix. Sixth and final round in Bentonville, Big Sugar. Um, Nicole and I will be taking off directly following Big Sugar for some pretty heavy international travel all the way into December. So we are currently packing for multiple states, multiple countries, multiple hemispheres. And so life is pretty, pretty wacky two days out from departure, but I'm glad we could make this work. Um, I'm really glad that Sarah decided to go over to UCI Gravel Worlds. This is an event that I think many of us who have been racing gravel stateside for a handful of years now were um, maybe a little skeptical of or at least cautious of and decided to kind of sit it out for the first year, see how it develops, see what it could mean uh, for us as a professional opportunity, as a career opportunity, all that sort of thing. But I love that Sarah just said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go jump into the deep end and see what happens. A sponsor requested her attendance and that was enough for her. And I'm really glad that she was willing to join us today and kind of give us some insider knowledge about what that experience was about. I'd like to say a big thank you to Hammerhead today for supporting today's episode. If you're dreaming of adventures and exploring new unknown paths, the Hammerhead Crew 2 is your adventure companion to help you see what lies ahead, whether it's a steep incline a windy descent, or simply someplace new and wonderful waiting to be explored. The Hammerhead Crew 2 is the most advanced GPS cycling computer available today with industry-leading mapping, navigation, and routing capabilities that set it apart from other GPS options. Free global maps with points of interest included, like cafes or campsites, mean you can explore with confidence and go and on-the-go flexibility. For a limited time, you listeners can get a free heart rate monitor strap with the purchase of a Hammerhead Crew 2, All you have to do is visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code STASH, all caps, S-T-A-C-H-E, at checkout to get yours today. That's an exclusive limited time offer. Go add both to your cart, both the Crew 2 and the heart rate strap. Use code STASH, all caps, S-T-A-C-H-E, at checkout at hammerhead.io. Thank you all so much for listening today. Uh, Quick heads up that we have an Instagram account for the podcast now and for all media related things uh, that I do. So that includes films too. One of which a new one is coming up soon. The, the trip part of the actual film won't go live until next spring. Um, but you'll be able to follow along on the adventure at stash house productions, starting towards the end of October and running through November. It's a big mission, really excited. Um, and if you'd like to see some video content from today's episode with Sarah, We'll have a few clips, Instagram real style, and then a few on our stories, just a few of the highlights from our conversation. That's at Stash House Productions on Instagram. We'll catch you after the show. Oh, here are my notes. (laughs) 
sit none. <laughs> That's about what my brain is doing right now. I was like driving up here and I was like, what do I have to say about gravel worlds? I like how Lachlan gave his opinion. Just through some iPhone wired headphones while wandering around the woods. <laughs> like selfie video. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see You it. can hear about 70% of it because of the wind. <laughs> Norman, go out of here. And our two dogs are currently <laughs> under the podcast table. Okay. Hey. Okay. Norm's like, I see you have carpet in here. That's sweet. Maybe we do need to close the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so when did you get back? Um, We're in Durango in the yay, studio. Yay. <laughs> when did I, I don't even know when I got back. We literally had a travel day that was like, we didn't even sit at a single terminal. It was just like, like flight to flight to flight oh. to flight, like barely, barely making it. One of my bags got lost and then it showed up and they, the Durango airport like delivered it to the house. And I was like, this no is way. actually kind of sick. I nice. should do that more United often. did that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Shout out United. The first time ever (laughs) sprinted through the Denver airport for every single time this year. I've flown into that stupid airport, which is a million times. I've had to sprint like sweat down my boobs, like wiping, like truly like wiping my way in Denver, in Denver. Yeah. yeah, At the, at the gate. Anyway. So we made it. Um, we got in on Tuesday night. And what did you have to do a full sprint? through every terminal because of delays or just because no, it was just connections were. <laughs> like we had, I, I now know I'll never fly back into the country through Denver because huh. going through customs, you have to go through like security. Anyway, mm-hmm. it was just tight <laughs> per usual. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I so mean, you, you guys know, <laughs> I haven't flown, I haven't flown much this year and I definitely haven't flown. We haven't flown internationally oh, yeah, hardly at all. Um, oh, well, lucky you. But now we're about yeah, to go you're, insane with it. <laughs> you're going to get it all in. But I, the reason I'm asking is because I, I kind of want advice because I'm trying to remember how to do it. Don't fly we're, Lufthansa. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're having to change flight because we were going to go to Africa. Right. But there's this Ebola outbreak. Yeah. So all of a sudden we just have a ton of time, which never happens. And we're like, where should we go? What should we do? <laughs> And I'll be done with the big effort that I'm doing. It'll be off season. We're like, we should just go bike touring and like ride 30 miles a day and stay at bed and breakfast somewhere. But where do we do that in the Southern hemisphere? Because that's where it will be summer. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds super relaxing. Every time I'm like packing for those trips, I'm like, why did I do this? I could have just booked a ticket to a beach somewhere and just sat. So we're going to do that too. We're going to go, <laughs> we're going to hang out in Sydney and go to the Sydney opera house. Oh, sick. That's like our planting our flag. Yeah. That's the chill that's thing. That's the like chill thing. So we'll do that. Maybe what Nicole for four days, five days. We don't even know yet. This is actually planned. <laughs> it's next month. It's Nicole next gave month. you that look like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> We've talked about it. I know. We've this is about it, but nothing is your your guys' relationship is so similar to me and Dylan. <laughs> Payson and I are just like running around like crazy people, and then Nicole and Dylan keep the tape on the boat, <laughs> the duct tape, and the boat from sinking. Hundred percent. Yeah. So. Anyway, cool. How, what were your how? Going back to my question. Oh yeah, sorry. Oof. On the itinerary, how long were your layovers? Do you remember? Um, we had an hour <laughs> in Denver. Okay. So, which is not enough to go through customs ne- and it's make, not enough to even make a connection in Denver because that's like, also true. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> most of the time, they were they were pretty tight connections. So, I would say if you have control of it, it's better to have like a couple of hours at an airport. So the person that just moved into the little downstairs apartment yesterday is now being greeted by oh Norman the two good. dogs yeah well good thing Norm's really quiet <laughs> oh my god yeah all you would be thieves we are advertising the fact that we're going to be gone for three months but we have someone living at our house yeah so don't so get lost so don't do it also I have to like Google Maps your house every time anyway so it's hard yeah, to find we live far away um but yeah so we got we got back Tuesday I didn't experience jet lag. 
going to Europe, which was nice because, I mean, I've never like. Really? Yeah. At all? Not, I mean, not really. We like got in and did the thing where you like, you try to stay awake as long as possible. You have like cappuccino, you know, push it. And then you just, I like just passed out. And like, I think I slept for 12 hours and then woke up the next day and I was like, damn, feel pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And I was fine. And then now coming home, I'm like up at 4 a.m. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm like, can barely make it past seven. (laughs) But it's okay. Every night I get a little bit, a little bit better. So, yeah. Was this your first time to Italy? Um, it was my second time to Italy, but it's my first time racing in Europe. Um, oh, period. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I was talking to Quinn at a Tuesday World. He was like, oh, you know, like giving me tips on riding in the Peloton, which was gladly appreciated because I don't really ever do that other than Tuesday Night Worlds. Yeah. And he was like, wow, it's really impressive. You made it this far in your career and never had to go to Europe to wow. race. That's like a... I was about to call someone out who makes compliments like that all the time, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Although it is kind of impressive. I didn't even think of it that way. I was like, I don't know. It just never, I mean, it did sort of interest me for cross because the, the cross world cup circuit looks so sick in Europe, but I just know how depressing Belgium is in the winter months. And that just didn't ever really appeal to me. Right. um, I mean, nor was I ever like, trying to you were never racing world cups no obviously never racing world tour road no no no, so you didn't that was apparent after the (laughs) gravel world's experience (laughs) yes you never really had a reason that's interesting yeah yeah which i guess is like yeah a bit unique but i don't know like that's what's cool about what i'm starting to call american gravel racing or og gravel um like you can kind of have a different path into the sport now and like have success without doing the whole, the whole UCI thing. But that's, yeah. And then you just, yeah. you were just like, Hey, here's my first European yeah. race. Yeah. I'm going to finish top 20. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I like was definitely like bummed when I finished cause I hmm. like was hoping to do a bit better, but then what was a bit better? Well, I was honestly like kind of hoping for a top 10 and yeah. if not a top five, even though like I knew how competitive it was, but I was like, I guess I was just thinking that, you know, it's a discipline that I have, you know, done for the past five years. Like I feel pretty proficient in it. But then after pre-riding the course, like realizing that it was just going to be a road race, I kind of had to like check myself. I mean, not that it's not possible to do that. There's, I mean, as we know, as bike racers, there's like a lot of stuff that has to fall into place. Um, And I, to be totally honest, I really wasn't focused on it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, um, specialized asked me at Leadville, mm. um, if I would want to go to gravel worlds. And then I was like, oh yeah, that sounds cool. And then the course came out and I was like, eh, yeah, I don't know. And I was like, well, that's, it's my job. Like I should be able to race on any sort of course, you know, like even if it doesn't suit me. Um, and so I decided to like petition to go which was quite the experience. Dang, Sarah, this is, you are a completely different person when it comes to <laughs> racing now. Like confidence, <laughs> like remember when we were on Sweet Elite and you're like, yeah. I can't ride this course. <laughs> I hate this. Why did they make the, I, I literally can't ride this course. And now you're like, well, yeah, gravel worlds. <laughs> that seems Top doable. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think, knowing I, don't, nothing. I don't know if that was like actually possible, but like you'd like to dream big. Like yeah, when yeah, I was but pre- I mean, we're writing, I was like, damn, it would be so sick to win this. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, where did that confidence come from? You, you posted something this morning where you said, uh, obviously it, it, all that confidence didn't come just this year, but I thought no. your post this morning sort of, uh, was an interesting peak at sort of this. Yeah. Uh, journey of confidence that you've gone through yeah. where you're like, yeah, I had this dip in the middle of the season, which I think a lot of people felt. Yeah. And oh, good. I can just Not tell <laughs> like you're on the upswing this year has gone incredibly well. We can talk about the Grand Prix going into the final round, all that sort of thing. Um, but you just feel so you like you have such a healthy relationship with racing at this oh, point. Goodness. Overall. Well, that's so good. If we had chatted after Leadville, well, we chatted right before Leadville, and that would, I would say, like, was the lowest that I've been as a bike racer. What? So, Ever? Pro- I, I mean, yeah, in, like, a very different way. 
yeah. um, like pressure really got to me. Yeah. Um, the length of the season, the training, the exhaustion, the missing out on friend opportunities and normal life opportunities, like all of that. And, you know, to be totally honest, I think I was like actually just like chemically depressed, hmm. um, which after the fact or going into it, um, I think after because the adrenaline and stress of going into Leadville, um, I learned a, a ton <laughs> through that experience. And like, I know it's so cheesy, but like, I really see now that you have to, you really kind of have to like hit the ground <laughs> and like hit a low to like start crawling your way out. And it's not like a faster linear process at all. But I think like it was like stressful going into it just for other reasons. And then the race didn't go very well because of that stress and other stuff. <laughs> like cows. Where did you finish again? Uh, fourth. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. So, <laughs> but isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's totally. what, that's what your personal standard is now. Yeah, and I think like after after sea otter, where like fourth, Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> and you were depressed afterward. Yeah, like rewind. I mean, it wasn't rewind just because of the, I know, but yeah. rewind five years. Oh, for sure. You've been like lifetime yes, achievement, yeah. <laughs> and I still like the, it is a good perspective to have, and like. It is crazy. Like I remember starting this career and people just telling me like experience is everything. Like you just have to do it for a really long time. And it is true. Like you just gain that's and and ultimately this is a perfect segue. That is why I decided to go to Gravel Worlds because I was like this this is an opportunity I have thanks to my sponsors. Like I did not have mm. to pay my way, mm -hmm. which I learned uh, is a very unique thing. What do you mean? Uh, a lot of the other a lot of my US teammates all I would say probably all of them paid their own way to worlds, to worlds. and I they're know. like sponsored. At, like I wouldn't say all of them, but I, I would guess the majority of them. Yeah. So the, the fact that their, their brand partners weren't helping them get there is mm -hmm. one thing, but the fact that our funding structure for USA cycling is so weak to begin with, like it you're going a, there to yeah. represent the country mm -hmm. and Let's see. I think a lot I've, of countries are that way, but like the U.S. just with like the powerhouse that USA Cycling is, it is really surprising to me. That that was a, a huge learning, but I, I don't did really... Did you have to buy your jersey? Yes. Yeah. So Lachlan referenced this too. And I've done... I did Worlds uh, maybe only one time. For Mountain? Yeah. But point is, I remember being... So surprised when I had to buy my kit. I was, I was like, I busted ass so hard. Totally. I'm to like, they couldn't like, just like throw hey, us a bone. Here's my $112 well, here's the funny for thing. my kit. They were like, <laughs> oh, and that's, that's cheap. They I were know, even yeah. out of all of the sizes that I needed. Like they didn't have women's extra small. <clears throat> so I, I like hit them up and I was like, what do I do? I, there's no size options in the kit that I want. And they're like, here's the email of Core or whatever the company is like, maybe ask them. And so I, they were, well, you had to deal with, deal with Corey's <clears throat> directly. Oh my yeah. God. So, well, actually that ended up being awesome because they were super helpful and they're like, Oh yeah, you should get the men's triple extra small. Yeah, they they're knew, like, yeah. mm -hmm. they're like, it's the same cut, just like less room in the chest. And I was like, well, that's not a problem. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so they're like, well, like, order like all the sizes you think and then I'll send you with a return label and then just return what you don't. And like, don't forget to use this 20% off code. Mm. And I was like, Oh, thank you. That would have been really nice of USAC to share with us. And at the USA team dinner in Italy, I like told people, I was like, well, at least they gave us a 20% off code. And they were like, you got a 20% off code. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, I should like, I had, I known it, there is. <clears throat> and they like the only communication I received was um uh a day well i didn't even know that i had made the team we were in schwam again like race day at schwam again and i was like refreshing my email refreshing my email because it's like a week out and you have to book your ticket <clears throat> and uh and i was like okay i guess they're not letting us know yet i even emailed jesse and i was like hey do you know if i'm on the team and Jeez. russell comes downstairs and he's like hey congrats on making the world's team and i was like what how do you know and he's like oh it's on twitter and i was like well i don't have twitter <laughs> actually i think i do have twitter because of sweet elite uh, which is funny but that's yeah anyway. you know what's funny is it's sad how frequently 
it works that way. And it actually isn't just cycling. No, I'm, no. I'm sorry for always making basketball uh, references, <laughs> but it's pretty frequent that a, tra- a a player will find out that they've been traded or cut from a team on Twitter in the media. Oh, that's so like they'll so they'll sad. be watching Sports Center and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm not on the Lakers anymore." Oh God, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that I mean, feels like it doesn't a, always happen, but it happens. That feels like a little cooler than like, oh, there was a random Instagram story <laughs> on Jimmy John's Instagram that <laughs> mentioned that you didn't make the world's team. You're like, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I kind of wanted to just <clears throat> uh, watch it for one year. Sure. I am interested for sure. And I'm I think a, a lot of people the opportunity are interested. Kind of no, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm, and I'm so glad you went. And I'm so glad that uh i'm able to kind of and we all are able to get your perspective on this because you come at it as we just mentioned based on the fact that you've never raced in europe first ever uh first ever uci worlds is that yeah. true yeah oh yeah so you're coming from it with a very fresh perspective and one of you know you, you're really uh like deeply ingrained with this yeah. grassroots north american thing and so that's one of the main reasons that i wanted to have you out today is to kind of get this perspective on what is this totally UCI gravel worlds thing going to be. Yeah. And it seems honestly, it seems uh, to me, it seems more promising than I mm-hmm. expected. Yeah, I think so. I just uh, kind of hit send on this um, column. I'm writing for Velo news about it. And I sort of started out with like, I think people are going to be kind of surprised with my feedback because mm-hmm. the f- going there, <clears throat> I actually was a little nervous for like, on the PR side is, you know, my job as an athlete, I was like, is this going to be a bad move? Mm-hmm. You know, cause it's oh, so poorly received yeah. in the U S like the whole, and, and to be totally honest, like, I mean, I talked to Katarina for hours earlier this season about the UCI and I was pretty like, Oh no, no UCI and gravel. <laughs> it's going to kill the, the spirit of gravel, which mm-hmm. is so silly. Um, but I mean, I felt that way. Like I was like, this is a sport that I love. And like I, when I was racing cyclocross, it was really clear to me that there were two paths. There was either like chase the points path or like choose the races you want to do path. And then, you know, after cross for me sort of faded, um, due to other things, uh, gravel was like that, that hope again for bike racing. It was really fun. Like you just show up with a bike and race for a really long distance. And like at the end of the day, you're either like racing other people or yourself or like, you know, whatever the terrain, the weather time, any of it. And that was, that was cool. And so like in my mind at the beginning of the year, when there was the whole UCI chatter, I was like, Oh, that's a threat to the experience that Mm -hmm. I know. Um, and then honestly, well, there's a lot I could say on this and it's not like we can talk about the actual experience of the event. Cause I, I do have a lot to say. I've learned a ton. Like I learned so much. <laughs> um, but I, I feel, I feel differently about it. Like, I think it's, I think it's actually like a really good thing. Um, but it's going to be a different game. Yeah. It'll be a different sport. And I don't almost, know if it's really, impression. I, I mean, this is impossible to predict. Everyone's going to try to do it, but I personally don't know if it's really going to be a threat to any yeah. of the gravel racing that we know. And no, I get it from I like promoters in the U S like, I understand like if you're putting on a big gravel race or like trying to put on like what you hope to be a good, big gravel race, you want those high end pros to show up. And if there's another series going on that people are focused on like that's potentially people that aren't signing up for your race but gravel in the u.s like i would say like similar to most uci racing like there's like the normal people that like support the sport that like go and participate and sign up for things like unbound or sbt or oregon trail like they're the ones who like do a gravel event as their like marathon or bucket list thing which is awesome I really don't think the UCI being in gravel is going to have any impact on them. I doubt yeah. that they're going to even give a shit about who wins gravel worlds. Like it's such a huge separation. It's like, it's like a different sport, you know? Yeah. 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 And going back to, we were kind of laughing about Lachlan's uh, download on all this where he, I need, I need to listen to it. <laughs> he just did a, well, it was on his story. So oh, it's shoot. gone, but Oh, dang Instagram (laughs) selfie, selfie video in the woods 
with a lot of wind noise, basically <laughs> just like, here are my thoughts. And he, I mean, he had some good points and one of them was exactly what you just said, where Unbound will remain to be, will remain being like yeah. the Kona, the yeah. Iron Man Kona. Yeah, and, that's such a good point. And UCI Gravel Worlds might be like the ITU World Championships where there's literally different rules, yeah, different bikes, a lot of times different racers and there is some crossover and yeah. some athletes will be able to cross over well and others won't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one thing that I'm curious about is I think it puts USA cycling in a little bit of a, an interesting position selection process wise. Yeah. And I want, because it'll be interesting to see how these other UCI gravel events take hold because at this point, these UCI world series, gravel series events, whatever they're called, I don't know where they were. I don't know I don't who either. did them. I don't know when they were. I know there was one in Fayetteville. Oh. But <laughs> two of my largest sponsors are Northwest Arkansas. Never mentioned it. Like, did not even acknowledge that it was happening. <laughs> let alone ask me if I would go do it. So we'll see how that develops. But my point is, is USA Cycling, because obviously USA Cycling and the UCI are co-workers of sorts. Sure. Like they have similar interests. USA Cycling and these other events, whether it be Belgian Waffle Ride or Lifetime events, whatever, they are competitors. Like right. They, yeah. <laughs> that is oil and water at this point. Um, how is USA Cycling going to select these world's teams in the Dude, future? Like, are they going to use Unbound, I which is wildly different than it sounds like yeah. UCI Gravel Worlds was? Like, what are they going to use as I, a selection procedure? I have... All I'm have saying is no I don't want to go do a... I don't want to do a race I don't want to do Gravel Worlds. Yeah, that yeah. no one is paying attention to. Has well, zero value I've, professionally. Listen, I, I, I will predict that that's going to be the game. And that's why I was like, this year, there wasn't that. I petitioned mm, to go. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to go race these races that... One, I can't. Because like I only have a capacity in a season... Like the lifetime Grand Prix is a huge focus, obviously. Like that's really important to be in as an American cyclist or as a off-road athlete, I should say, not an American. That has nothing to do with Americans. <laughs> um, sorry, I've just been in like writing this article <clears throat> land. And I like I just don't I uh, I really hate rules in some ways. Like I hate I hate rules that don't make sense. And yeah. like, I hate playing games that I don't want to play, which I struggled with that for the lifetime series in the beginning. Mm. And I remember looking to Dylan and I'm like, I don't think I like to like have to do stuff like, <laughs> like have to do this whole series. Like I have to do all these races. And he was like, how are you just now figuring this out? Like we have known this about your personality, but I mean, you also have to suck it up because it's your job. Yeah. And, and it's so a freaking amazing job. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A- absolutely. But I guess like I already have, we already have to do that. And like, there's only so much time in the schedule. So like, I also want to balance next year with like more other races between, cause that was a huge learning. Like I actually realized I'd do better with more chaos, um, between the races instead of like mm. really long periods of downtime, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is actually super shocking to me cause mm-hmm. I'm such a homebody, mm-hmm. but you sort of lose that cadence. So I like all of that. All of knowing all of that, I was like, this is a great year for me to try to go and do this thing because I'm not sure if I want to play the points game that it's going to become. And when I say points game, like at least for cyclocross, like you had to like you have to qualify. And so you like you have to do the certain USAC and UCI races um, and you're sort of dependent on like if promoters put those races on and mm-hmm. like where they are, you know, like there was jingle cross gravel, um, which jingle cross used to be like the biggest, like you see or world cup cross mm-hmm. race in mm-hmm. the States, um, or one of, and then they had a gravel race and that was supposed to be a qualifier, I guess. And then they canceled it like really last oh, minute. Cause the guy was like, well, this doesn't make sense. Like, I don't want to put all my effort. The promoter was like, I don't want to put my effort into this. If no one's going to show up, which is fair. Like, I think, I think it's, uh, I understand why race promoters are like, what is this going to mean for us? Like, I I get that. We're all trying to make a living here. So that, that'll be interesting. Um, but the, 
And it's just going to be interesting, like what changes next year? And that was sort of like Sophia and I have had a lot of conversations about this because Sophia and I are, you know, close friends. We're on team specialized together. We were staying together. She represents Argentina. She's also had a shitload of UCI experience. And she's also someone who functions really well with parameters. Yep. And I am almost the complete opposite. Yeah. But we have, which is good. So like I actually learned a ton from her and her coach, Carmen, who's the director of Jumbo Jumbo Visma women's team. Mm -hmm. So she brought an interesting perspective in and, um, and we can get to this, but in my mind, the most contentious part of that whole experience was the length of the women's race. So, which is interesting. I mean, we can get into it right now, but there's a lot of other stuff. Like the course that was designed was interesting, was very different than anything I've raced before. Um, Let's see. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's come at this. Yeah. So let's come at this. Uh, We'll be organized. mm, (laughs) Neither you nor I are capable of that, but we'll, we'll fake it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one thing I noticed. So first of all, I didn't even realize this race was live streamed. I could have watched it. Yeah. On GCN plus, I think. Well, you just need to get on the text thread with Roy Sturm and he'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Roy. Um, the bike setups looked very different than most gravel events we do. Oh, really? I thought so. I mean, didn't, didn't well, Sophia ride like a... Yeah, a, I guess so. Did she ride a Mine Roubaix actually stayed tarmac? the exact same, which is funny. She she raced the Roubaix, which I do think... Mm, going into it, I was like, oh, that's the bike of choice. Because for Specialized, the Roubaix is like sort of that like in between uh, a Crux and a Tarmac. So it's like more aero than the Crux, but it has less tire clearance. It's a classics bike. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So she actually flew with two bikes because <laughs> uh-huh. she hadn't raced the Roubaix yet. Mm-hmm. And um, Sophia is particular about like her setup um, more so than I, I was like messing with my saddle height, like <laughs> the morning of the, anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, she ended up going with the Roubaix. I was actually really glad that I didn't do that because I switched from uh, 33 pathfinders back up to 35s. Jeez, that's narrow though. Oh man, it was so, I like did a bike check video for specialized and I was like, look at these cute little pathfinders. Like they're basically like little gravel road tires. Yeah. I mean, those are, that's barely removed from what people race on the road. A lot of the riders had super narrow tires. Sophia ran inserts, which was a good call. We didn't Hmm. have any, but I actually just felt more comfortable on. So, okay. Let me tell you about the course. So this there's a rumor going around that the race, the guy that designed the the course or the guys designed it. They somehow, I think this is the most impressive feat of the whole experience was that they somehow found the flattest course you could possibly race yeah. in between. My cousin lives in Italy uh-huh. and she was like, there are so many mountains around here. Like there's so much elevation gain you could have had, but they, we va- raced from Vicenza through um padova into cittadella um so we did like a backwards c shape um and then the men had two extra circuit laps around cittadella oh so it was point to point it wasn't a loop interesting Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it was like a a c and there's a difference right there how many point to point gravel races it was that was actually pretty sick it was cool to like finish in this city that had like it looked like a castle so like it felt very like European and Italian, which was yeah. really cool. But, but what's interesting, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. just quickly, like already that is such a massive, it might not sound like a big difference, but at all of our races here in the States, it's a loop yeah. because there's a huge venue, Yeah, you know, beer garden, yeah, yeah, yeah. massive expo, some sort of typically <laughs> small town that embraces the event <laughs> yeah. and so like rallies around it and totally. creates this massive support. And you go out on this big adventure and then you get yourself back home. Yeah. And that style is immediately logistics like road style. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's how most professional road races are yeah. point to point, obviously. So I wonder if like each city like gave them money. Of course. So I, yeah. I'm sure that was part of it. And then the rumor is that the, the course designers made it the way it was because they wanted to go buy their houses 
No so way. <laughs> I think that's actually kind of funny, even though <laughs> at a detriment to me. <laughs> I, so it was, how long was your race? So my race was like 80 something miles. It was okay. like 137 K shortest gravel race you've ever done. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, it felt really similar to the, um, Schwamigan, which is actually ah. part of the reason I decided to go. Cause I was like, all right, well I'll be kind of preparing for that and blah, blah, blah. Did you um, like how short it was? No. Well, mm, you know, that thing, like <laughs> in the back of my mind, I was like actually really upset that the women didn't race as long from like an equality perspective, but also like to me, gravel differs from road in, in the length and like intensity and like that attrition, like every yeah. gravel race I've done, the attrition component is huge. It's yep. like very much a factor of the race. And that is dictated by either the train and elevation gain or the length of the whole thing. And like, I mean, do I love racing for 200 miles? Like, no, but like 80 miles felt, it made it feel very much like a road race, which in some ways it was like exciting. And like, I sh certainly was glad it was over when it was over. So like I got to the end and I was like, mm, I don't want to go prove a point and do those two <laughs> extra circuit laps. But if that had been in the race, if I had had my mindset on it and I talked to a lot of women who felt the same way, they were like, if that had been our race, our brains would have adjusted to that and we would have done it. Wouldn't that have been an interesting protest? Well, that's what I was saying. I was, I was thinking of doing that. Really? I was, but then Dylan and I were talking about it. He's like, one, I don't, I don't know if they'll want even let you do that at the end of the race. Cause it's like all barricaded off. I don't know if it was Mark, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be really tired. And I was, and like everyone was, and it just didn't, it just didn't transpire. I mean, I feel like a bit like I let myself down in that way. But I was tired. I mean, I raced really hard for 80 miles. I did like what felt like an 80 mile sprint. Um, Unfortunately, based on the way you the UCI is doing things still, you will probably have another opportunity if <laughs> yeah. you'd like to make that. Yeah. Point. Well, and this it's interesting. So this is the only thing that Sophia and I really like don't see eye to eye on because like her and her coach, her coach comes from road background um, and I think if you're used to being in the UCI on the UCI train, like if you do UCI races, if you're racing world cups, that sort of thing, that's standard. Like mm -hmm. women race less distance, but it's an equal amount of time of racing. So yep. I, I like logically, I understand why they do that. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it aligns with like a really core part of what gravel is. And I think it was personally, I think it was a huge miss on their part. If they had made both of our races, like UCI road worlds, the men race for 300 K. Yeah. That's a long road race. Like yeah. why didn't, I just don't understand why they made both of the races so short. Right. Why was, so what was the men's race? 194. So what is that? Like a hundred and barely. 120 miles yeah yeah well i guess on that, a yeah. well but on a flat course that's it's pretty fast I mean, that's like we finished less that's under six hours yeah for sure under yeah six hours and like i mean a lot of this well and this is where i started this whole thing was i was going to explain what the course was like so we started in the city and you start on like a normal like staging whatever and um and then we raced immediately, you start gaining elevation mm. and um, you race up through this like chicane of like uh, this, uh, one of those crazy European like intersections. It wasn't quite a roundabout, but like 17 different roads, like, you know, converged. And it's so built, built by ancient Rome <laughs> yeah, to this day is the best system <laughs> yeah. available. And Americans still can't figure out how to go through a roundabout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we race like through this wild intersection and then just gained a ton of elevation right away. Like it was, it felt like a sh the Schwamigan start, but steeper and on like road and gravel. Mm. Um, and so you, it was like a, a world cup, like cross start, like in intensity. 
And, um, and then we like filter, like we do these two big or like punchy climbs. And then you got filtered through this like super narrow, like stone pathway into this like switchback. Like there were like five switchbacks maybe on this like medium wide gravel, like mountain bikey kind of feeling descent Mm. where like if you had cyclocross or mountain bike skills, you were stoked. Cause mm-hmm. like I probably passed 20 women. Oh in wow. That. Yeah. Huh. So, and then, and then you get like pushed into like this road section onto a bike path <laughs> and then you're racing like fast. Like Literally imagine just path. like sprinting on a bike path. Yikes. And like, there's, you know, Italians like walking their little dogs oh, and no. like, so it wasn't really a close course. No, it was. Well, it yes was and no. Plus pedestrians. <laughs> They did a really good job with the motos. I will say that. Like okay. they had, I mean, even in the gruppetto that I was in, we had a moto in front of us and behind us. But then the motos actually kind of screwed us in the women's race because then after that section, the last bit of like tech and climbing came up. And mm. this was all within the first 20K. So it was like, I don't even, I feel like I blinked and it was like over. But like we went through this like kind of slippery grass field and like motos were like dumped on like both sides. And I was like, Oh God, this is going to be chaos. And then there was like this tiny little like single track, like bump and like a moto had fallen and like blocked the whole bit of single track. So he divided the women's front Peloton. No way. Yeah. And like myself and I think Eva Lechner, um, who's an Italian athlete, we both like cyclocrossed around him. Like his Mm. rear wheel was still like spinning and like another moto was before him and then you got onto this, like the, and this is, this section was why I sized up entire choice. Um, because I, I figured it would be a big enough group going down and up this section. And it was sharp enough rocks that like, you weren't going to have line choice. And I just wanted to rally through yeah. it. And so, um, and I did, and I like ended up passing a bunch of people because I had those bigger tires and then, we hit the only sustained climb on the road, which was like probably a five minute climb. Did you tack back onto the lead group ever? I could see them on that climb. Yes, I did. So I could see them on the climb, but I was like, honestly, pretty maxed from like doing a cyclocross effort. God damn, you're strong now, Sarah. (laughs) Like I get to see it when we do Tuesday worlds and you're just like, we're doing a fast (laughs) rotation and you're just pulling through the whole time. Like, well thank you so cool to see yeah yeah and then and then we like uh, i really just struggle in those flats but and like those road girls you know were are just super experienced like they are so good at just sitting down and (laughs) battling really hard on the flat stuff Mm. so it's interesting because like i we we got back on to the main peloton um which was how big at that point i bet I bet it was, that was like the top 20, Mm. um, maybe like 30. And that's an hour into the race? Oh, yeah, less. Wow. And then, and then it was like, it was interesting. So, um, I think it was myself and Lauren Stevens were the only Americans in that group. Um, Sophia was obviously up there as well. Um, and Lauren DeCrescenzo was behind me and then she caught cause it started like having those longer sections. And the reason I'm going through this is you can kind of gauge like what the course was like. For sure. So she's obviously very talented at just that, like pushing TT power. So she catches back on and I was like, Lauren, like sit on. And then I noticed that in the first like 50 K after that section, there would be like, you would go really hard and then there'd be like a goofy, like dirt turn. And then I, that's what was saving me. Cause like I would rally the turns and like somehow get back to the front of the group. And then the girls would like TT and I was like dangling on mm. and Lauren would catch back on and then mm. we would hit another turn and I would, you know, rally through that and, uh, the women stopped yelling at me when they saw me corner, but they would yell at me <laughs> <laughs> like they would like there. Uh, this Dutch woman was like screaming at me. She's like, I'm on your left. So I would move left. And then she's like, ah, and like hit me. And I was like, well, you said the wrong word, which I like, I'm not going to say to you because one, I'm scared. Also, I don't, I only speak English, <laughs> but I was like, technically you actually said the wrong way. <laughs> But I was just, I, this is where my inexperience with road, I was just like letting people in left. I mean, I wasn't trying to, but like, 
I do feel a little bit like I have a target on my back with the USA kit. Mm. And also they don't like, I've never raced with any of them, you know, like they don't know me from road. Like I, I understand. So then I, I, after that 50 K it really was advantageous to have a road background, I think, because there really wasn't anything aside from like the occasional, like, like tight corner to, to, help with that like recovery from you know a really long hard just super pedally effort um and yeah what percentage of the surface was quote-unquote gravel or like dirt i mean it was like a surprising amount of dirt like it was less road than i thought but it wasn't like gravel like we're used to it was um it was sort of just like a like a like you know when you go onto those like manicured like bike dirt bike paths? Yeah. It was like that like for most of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like it wasn't and you weren't having to do like I don't think there were that many crashes. Like mm. it wasn't it wasn't technical aside Just from the that motos. first Yeah, dude. The <laughs> moto thing. But it was kinda nice. I mean, Sophia said that they were like I think some some woman got relegated because um, she like took a feed outside of a feed zone and mm. like they were paying attention. Um, so, and they were closing the course. I actually saw a policeman push a pedestrian off of his, his Vespa thing. Cause no he, almost, he actually almost like took me and these two girls out. Huh. He just like didn't listen. And anyway, so it, it felt, um, it felt like a road race for sure that had some gravel and like, you couldn't just be like, there was a chick that showed up like an Australian chick that was on a road bike. No way. And she also had like a lot of like cuts at the end of the the race. So it definitely was not the bike of choice. Like you, I don't think you could have done well as well on a road bike. I think you could have finished it, but I I really think like the setup was like an arrow bike that could fit like 33s or, you know, a little bit beefier tire. Is next year's race in the same place? Um, I know it's in Italy, but I don't know if it's in the same the same spot. So that's what I was saying. It will be interesting. Like I'm trying not to like throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, like, Oh, like it's just always going to be a road race. Like it very well could have just been this course that felt road centric. Yeah. So one thing that, so I didn't even pull up whatever page on USA cycling had information about worlds or selection process or anything like that. Okay. (laughs) But I saw a screenshot of, some language regarding uh, the plan to achieve a result at this race as a nation. What? Yeah, and there was it. It looked like oh, I th- yeah. It, I, I it, think they just copied from road qualifications. That's what I thought it was because it was like we will <clears throat> select a team leader and implement traditional. T- blah, that blah, actually blah. like really upset me. Well, I was my, like, my question was going to be. Did they? Did they? No. Was there any conversation in that? No, there was very little fact. conversation from USAC anyway. They were just like, do this background check. It's 30 bucks. Do the safe sport. That's free. Buy your kit. You're required to race in the jersey, shorts, and socks. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're required to like get yourself there. Congrats on making the team. And it kind of left me felt like feeling like, wow, what an honor. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, to be honest, like I wasn't, I I didn't want that to like take away from the experience. Like I, I really, it was cool for me who I've never been to one of these and I've never had a chance to wear the USA kit. Like it was really sick to like race with other women, you know, representing their countries. Like that was a really cool experience for me and very different. Um, But no, I, they did not communicate any sort of plan and in my head i was like if they do i'm going to say no thank you please (laughs) because to me if they wanted us to do that then they needed to communicate that ahead of time and help us get to the race and support us in ways that were more than just like buy your kit good luck you know and i don't i i would have been really surprised i i know the italian team um I think that they had some form of team tactic. They they had chosen a rider that they were going to work for, um, which I don't think panned out, though they did get um, a young woman on uh, the third step. So that was cool. But I think it was just, it was similar to a gravel race in that like the top two women uh, were racing alone. Like they were the only ones from their country. Yeah. So like 
I don't think there was a need for team tactics, which felt less roadie than I thought. Um, and, you know, a huge takeaway that I feel like I wanted to mention is that for women, like we never ever get to race with just a women's Peloton. Yes, that was one of my questions. And that Sophie and I really agreed on this. That was the coolest experience for me mm. of the like mm -hmm. I was racing for top 20, like at the back of the 20, you know, the 20 people. And it was hard the whole time, like to be in a group with three other women racing for, you know, 17th through 20th place or whatever and racing that hard was sick. Mm -hmm. And there were no dudes in involved in any of it other than dumping it on the motos in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, the Masters men started after us, but they never caught at least my group. Um, so that was, that became very clear that that was an experience. I hope um, gravel races in the US start adopting. Because um, really? it really, yeah, and that so I've changed that, my opinion yeah, on that. Yeah, that's for what sure. you're planning your flag. Yeah, that's how you're planning for like Unbound, Leadville, all of it. Yeah, really yeah. interesting. I know, and it's so it's so different from how I felt going into gravel because I just I really like race mixing it up, but the it really does change the women's race, and yeah. like, I, and I will say like maybe I'll put an asterisk next to that like. The reason it was successful at Gravel Worlds is the caliber. Like there there yeah. were 50 very talented, very fast, like the top level athletes. And I'm not saying that that isn't the case, but I think we have a little it's bit a deeper of, field. I mean, it's, it's a deep. It was a deeper field. Yeah, it's just kind of um, and dried in that regard. But I mean, I liked it for Crusher. You know, the women started together. We didn't. I, I mean, I didn't really race with any dudes. That race isn't advantageous i don't think i mean well that's not true i didn't race with dudes because i <laughs> was dumb and somehow rode the entire road section alone at crusher <laughs> which was literally my only goal to not do that but I, like anyway going back to to that experience like starting with only women racing with only women finishing strong with only women was sick like that was the coolest part of the whole thing for sure. Like hands down. I, I hope we get different women's starts at the very least. Um, I just, I just think we're like getting there at, in yeah. the American format of gravel racing. Oh yeah. Um, you know what I don't want to happen obviously, which is always the argument is like, I don't want to be out there for 10, 11 hours for every race. Cause there's not enough women, but yeah, but I feel like it, something like unbound, the women's field is so deep at this point yeah. that yeah, that's less likely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was probably like the best, the best part. And, and like I said, like racing with women from all over the, the world was really, really special. Um, but yeah, a huge bummer. I mean, I put something on my social media, which I was <laughs> telling Betsy from Velo News. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I did that. Or like, I, no, I do know why I did that. I don't regret that. I wish I wish social media wasn't such an echo chamber mm. because I really just wanted to hear what people thought about that. I was curious from other women, like what they wanted specifically, you know, other international women. And really what I just heard was like, yeah, that's messed up from everyone in the U S mm. like everyone in the U S was pissed yeah. about the women racing for a shorter distance. And everyone at the race seemed like, yeah, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. Seems fair. Interesting. Like no one was like, no feathers were really ruffled there. Like, huh. but I, I also like, like I said, I don't really, I don't really know what the sentiment is. And like, I just, and in my article I wrote about like, you know, you really have to think about what defines gravel racing. And that's why like I roll my eyes at the spirit of gravel thing. Cause that whole thing came about because it's really hard to define what the racing we're doing is like what defines a gravel race is it just the terrain is it the length is it you know the fact that we all start together and you know all mixed in the mass start like and i i think the uci is just sort of like adapting some of those pieces into like their rule set which like you know i like i said i don't love the rule thing because it just is really intimidating for me like i don't 
unlike Sophia or someone like Sophia, who's had a lot of experience on teams with like people like Katerina and Catherine Pendrel and like all these other women to like pass down this information to her. I just feel like I'm like having to read through tech guides to like figure out like how to do this thing. And there's like little things like we got reprimanded for the USA kits because it said athletic greens on the sleeve Hmm. and the UCI official was like, this is unacceptable. And I was like, yeah, but "Ah." that's been on the USAC kit. I know, but that's why I'm like, how am I? I don't know those things. And Sophia was like, oh, you should have just raced in black bibs. Um, with specialized logos on it to represent specialized. And I was like, well, I didn't know that. Like I thought like USAC said, you're required to wear this Jersey, these bibs, these socks that say USA cycling. So I'm just like, they told me to follow the rules. So I'm following the rules. So like, and that was like another thing with this race. I I was trying to gauge is was gravel world champion, UCI gravel world championships, um, an outlier, of other Mm. UCI races compared to those. And like the answer is, I think it was a bit of a loose unit. Cause like, Mm. you know, there weren't as many rules and then I was unsure, like what was actually going to be enforced? Was there going to be a call up, you know, at first no, but then they decided yes. And then they were like, we're just going to base it off of UCI points and big gravel races. And Matt Beers said like halfway through the men's rate, like the men's call up, they were just like, ah, fuck it. Like, go. <laughs> it is time to begin. Yeah, totally. And they oh, were like, God. and and off you go. <laughs> That's so funny. So I don't I feel like that was just like a really like zigzaggy way of explaining the whole experience, but No, that was great. Um thank you. Yeah. Also it's ten. Yeah. That was amazing. I think that was our world record. That was so short podcast. Did we did we touch on everything? I'm trying to think. I think so. Oh, one thing that I I talked to uh, the road marketing manager at Specialized. We watched the men's race yeah. um, together, and I thought he he had a really great point. He was like, the UCI, the thing that they need to do is figure out how to make this feel different than a road race. Because he was mm-hmm. like, right now, and I trust him that he's been to a lot, yeah. a lot of road races, spring classics, et cetera. He was like, this right now is a road race. Like this feels like well, a that's road their, race. I mean, that's the UCI's safe place. Like they know how to do that well. Right. And that, and so that's what he and I were chatting about. And I, I totally, totally agree. And I think that part of that is making it longer. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and also. Because otherwise I, I you're know. just going to get the same results that you do at a spring classic. And like, for example, Daniel Oss, the guy that got second. Yeah. He, I've learned this. He's like normally Sagan's right hand man. Yeah, Sagan was in had the him race. on the podcast last month. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. He seemed like a really lovely guy. Right before he destroyed his back during the Tour de France. Oh, yeah. Well, so he. It seemed to me like as a spectator, he was able to just race this thing for the win instead of working for. I mean, part of that is same like went for um, Italy and you know. Yeah, same went for Vanderpool's teammate, the guy that won. Oh, so yeah. there there were some kind of team tactics. But do you think that that was there. determined because they represented different countries, and that's how world championship races go? Or do you think it was because of um, gravel? Does that make I sense? I don't know. Kind of. So anyway, I thought that that if if that was the case, if it was because of gravel, that's cool. Yeah. To me, but I think they they could do a better job. We'll see how it evolves. <laughs> Well, until next it was, year. The main thing is it was mostly positive as a first go around. Which you. is surprising. Yeah, which was surprising. Yeah. So. Hello again, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. Big thank you to Hammerhead for supporting today's episode. If you want to get more out of your rides this fall, any old device can track distance, time, and pace. But how about the ability to see upcoming hills or points of interest along your route? The Hammerhead Karoo 2 helps you find your path forward and unlock your full potential on every ride. Hammerhead's bi-weekly software updates and new feature releases are unmatched by the competition. So unlike other head units, your Karoo 2 continues to evolve and improve with each ride being better than the last. Tens of thousands of cyclists have chosen the Karoo 2 as their trusted riding companions, including Chris Froome and Justin Williams. 
Hammerhead athletes keep on course and stay aware of upcoming elevation changes with their Carew 2 devices. For a limited time, you listeners can get a free heart rate monitor with the purchase of a Hammerhead Carew 2. Just visit hammerhead.io right now and use promo code STASH, all caps, S-T-A-C-H-E, at checkout. Just go to hammerhead.io, add both the Carew 2 and the heart rate monitor strap to your cart, and then use code STASH, all caps, S-T-A-C-H-E, to get that heart rate strap free. Like I said at the top of the show, the podcast now has an Instagram account. Stash House Productions. Uh, I'm calling it Stash House Productions rather than the Adventure Stash on Instagram because it's going to be the home of all kinds of media-related content uh, from that side of my life. I have a production company called Stash House Productions that the podcast is housed under. And that's also what the films we make is housed under. So whether it be Trail Town Bentonville, Crossing Iceland, uh, the film I made with Reggie Miller, where he completely destroyed me in basketball. And I did a little tutorial on how to ride tight switchbacks. All kinds of fun video projects go there. Coming up right after Big Sugar Gravel, Nicole and I are jetting to literally the other side of the world for a big big mission. Biggest film production mission I have ever tackled. Definitely that Stash House Productions has ever tackled. It's really daunting. Uh, it's about a massive bike ride that I hope to be able to complete, but I have no idea whether I will, but it's going to be an amazing story and we'll be sharing that entire process on that Stash House Productions Instagram account. So if you want to follow that adventure, or you just want to check out some clips from today's episode or past episodes, like the one with Keegan last week or Lachlan the week before, or Sevilla and Braden Lang the week before that, just go to Stash House Productions on Instagram to catch some of the highlights. I want to say a big thank you to Lily McKelvin for editing and producing the show. Next week, we have another more complicated one for her to edit, but hopefully extra enjoyable one for y'all to listen to. It is a Red Bull Rampage special We got crazy, awesome access to a bunch of the rioters. Uh, Huge thanks to Red Bull for making that possible. And I can't wait to give y'all some incredible insight the week of the infamous, the illustrious, the incredible Red Bull Rampage. All right, we'll catch you next week.